Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Stimming in Stilettos. My guest today is Miss Bijanae Kareem. Um, wow, Bijanae, we've known each other for, I want to say, uh, like 10 years. Is that right? I know. Hasn't time flown by? Oh, my goodness. That was, wow. Okay, so 10 years we've known each other, and we we're both we both been walking this our own STEM journeys out. Um, Bijane is um, excellent and phenomenal at what she does. She's uh, she's done professional development training for teachers um, for yeesh. She will she's going to read her bio, but I know it's it's been a long time. But she also um, has put together STEM programming. Um, for school systems and schools and and other other entities, so I really want her to tell us about herself, so my audience can know who it is we'll be talking with today. And I'm really excited um, and very interested in um, this conversation we're going to have today. So, Bijanae, um tell our audience who you are. Absolutely. And thank you, Dr. Tasha, for having me on today. It's such a pleasure. I'm always impressed with the amazing work that you're doing out in the community and would be happy to share um, more about myself and, and how we know each other and, and what's next. So good morning, everybody. Good evening. Good afternoon, wherever you are. My name is Bijanae Kareem. I am the founding executive director of BK International Education Consultancy. Whew, long name. Um, I am by trade, was a STEM major, similar to Dr. Tasha. Um, I majored in the biological sciences and transitioned into education. And so since then, I've just married those two loves, those two passions about um, science and STEM and education and have uh, really made headway with my education consulting firm. So for BK International Education Consultancy, we're based in Atlanta, Georgia, but we work all over. And our main buckets of work are continuing education and training, project management, as well as program and curriculum design. Our target audiences tend to be pre-K through 12 school districts 
but we've also worked with youth development organizations, parent organizations such as PTAs, parent teachers associations, and nonprofits and government entities. And so um, with having that science background, as well as having taught um, as an educator in a pre-K pre through 12 large urban school district, as well as an adjunct professor, I have a particular eye on how we craft our services and our professional learning to make sure that it's most meaningful and impactful, help to strengthen educators' knowledge and skills to ultimately best serve students. Man, see, see, this is, I don't, I don't bring on just any old body to the show. So, <laughs> and I feel like I forgot some of that myself. <laughs> it's like, you're reading, I was like, right. Yes. Right, right, right. So it's many like, moons. <laughs> right. So, so many hats. <laughs> right. So, oof, 10 years ago, BGNA and I, I can't even remember how we met. Um, I don't remember how we met, but we met um, and we came together and we had this great idea that has since taken off in various forms with other people. Um, but our whole idea was to bring together people who were doing STEM and STEAM in, um, in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Because our thought is, it's like, well, if we're all partnered together and we can help support each other um, in doing that, then, it'll, then our kids will benefit. Um, and for people who don't know, in the um, Atlanta metropolitan area, um, it's it's an urban community. There, there are kids who look like both her and myself, um, but sometimes they don't necessarily get the best opportunities. So the idea is, is that if two people were having, two organizations were having an event at the same time, wouldn't it be better for them to partner together to have a bigger event, reach more kids? Um, and so that was the whole idea. Um, and I'd say we were we were successful to a point, um, and then life happened, and we had to we had to um, do something different. Um, we've all we've always stayed in touch um, with each other, just doing check ins, um, to make sure that you know we. I mean, I know she's out here doing great things in the world, and um, I'm silently yeah. <laughs> if if I can't get in touch with her, I know she knows that I'm silently rooting her on. Like we need and more likewise. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's all about the collective impact, right? That's what we we started together, and we are continuing to endeavor to do. Correct. So, so now let's. Okay, so let's talk about where we are right now. Right, are, and all that's going on. There's quite <laughs> quite a bit going on right now. So right now, um, to give people perspective. We are in the midst of a pandemic. COVID-19 has hit the United States of America. Um, we are all, we are going on month three of quarantine in some way, shape, or form. It depends upon where you, what state you're in yeah, at this three very or four. moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so schools have shut down, universities and colleges are closed, daycare centers are closed, um, early childhood centers not happening. Um, and our kids are virtual learning. Um, some are school years are, are ending as we speak. 
Um, and it's the, the, the future is not at all set in stone. So I wanted to ask you, um, I consider you to be an educational expert, especially in this, in this area, what, what your thoughts are on where, where we stand. And then we can talk about the other stuff happening in, in the United States right now. Gotcha. So in terms of the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, um, I think it has uncovered and also highlighted and spotlighted uh, some educational inequities. Yes. And given the fact that we work in STEM and STEAM, it actually provides an opportunity um, during this crisis time. And so, you know, you know, the T in STEM and STEAM stands for technology. And even just in that space, you know, we see how some families, you know, depend on socioeconomic status and even I'll say preference because I think we're in a tech, you know, um, a uh, technologically driven society. And so, you know, most of us may feel like, oh yeah, everybody should have tech, everybody should have tech. But there are some people who, you know, may not Darn. want as much screen time, right? Or mm -hmm. they may not have consistent access, right? Whether it's access to devices, whether it's access to consistent Wi-Fi, depending on where they live, um, you know. And, and let's be clear that this isn't a, this really isn't a new issue. Exactly. We, That's why it's a spotlight, right? <laughs> right. This isn't a new issue. We've known about the digital divide, if we will, for quite some time, especially um, in terms of suburbs, suburban and rural and, and urban areas. Um, right. it's, it's always existed. Um, we've quietly known about it. We, meaning education um, people, education folks, every, we, it's not new. Um, right. But what the pandemic has done has, as you said, put a spotlight on it because it's at this point, it's like, well, how else are we going to get the education to the to the students because mm -hmm. they can't physically come to a building? Exactly, exactly. And so, so again, that digital divide. Now we have a spotlight. Before, oh, maybe we could address it passively. It's not really a priority, but now it's in everyone's faces, right? Because it's our main and sometimes maybe only mode of communication or information sharing um, and connection. And so while there are challenges with that, there are also opportunities to um, make smarter decisions around technology and how we use technology and, and how we um, offer access um, for families, you know, for, for teachers, you know, um, and, and even how we use it instructionally as well. So, so a couple of things that, that bubbled up to mind immediately when schools, um, they closed their doors, but they were, you know, operating in, an, in a remote environment is, you know, what, what are the opportunities of converting those face-to-face -face instructional practices to quality online learning materials because you know people think oh yeah you can just you know throw that right online no yeah, <laughs> not exactly no. it doesn't translate <laughs> the same it's really and that's the thing i think people 
I think people now know, understand, and have learned very mm-hmm. quickly is that what you do face to face. And again, you know, nothing against face to face, but understanding that online does it, it doesn't translate. And so That's right. you have to rethink everything. <laughs> you do, you do. It's a different mode, it's a different format. It's a it's somewhat of a diff, diff, different instructional um, design process, and so no, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions that were expelled. Myth buster, okay? <laughs> Thanks, COVID. <laughs> that was a yeah. myth buster there. And then another thing that brought to mind, just because most of the work that that I endeavor to do um, is always going to root for those who are underserved and underprivileged, and so thinking about how this transition to online learning affects students who may have disabilities or um, uh, or like we mentioned earlier, who, who may have Im- uh, limited access due to either socioeconomic status or just their geographical location. Like we said, out in rural areas, you know, maybe the Wi-Fi strength doesn't come in um, as strong as maybe right. if you're you know, closer to a tower. So, so those things come up, you know, immediately popped up like, okay, what is this conversion from face-to-face to online going to look like? And then how are we best meeting the needs of all learners during this time? Yeah, that's the, that's the, those are really two good questions um, that need to be asked. Do you think, and I, if, and I, this is all our opinions. Um, right. Do you think that, um, how do you think teachers did with the, because they, they were given, you know, let's put the, the, the disclaimers on it. They were given a short period of time in which mm-hmm. they had to convert, you know, a half a semester's worth of work mm-hmm. uh, to a virtual setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even sure that, um, Again, full disclosure, parent of two. Um, one mm-hmm. is still in high school, so I have sort of this firsthand uh, knowledge of what what was happening, mm-hmm. um, or at least in my my child's school system. And so, mm-hmm. um, it 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 didn't it wasn't haphazard. So that's not the right word. It seemed though that they were still. I think the analogy a friend gave me a couple of days ago was they were uh, building the plane while they were flying it. Mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. flying the plane while they were building it, whatever, however that goes. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would say, so I, I would say that, you know, s- schools, whether it's pre-K through 12 or even higher institutions of learning, like professors who have face-to-face classes and had to convert to online and maybe have not used a format before, they definitely did the best that they could given what they had. So thinking about, you know, um, you're, you're, you know, engineer by trade. So thinking about the engineering design process, right? You have this problem and you have these constraints and, you know, how can you come up with a solution? Um, and it, it's always, it's, it's never a hundred percent, right? But you try your best and you may have to go back and refine several times sure. until you get it right. And so I think of it that way. Um, I also think, um, in having conversations with colleagues who work in, in school districts, that um, that plans like these need to be in place. Sometimes it's hard um, to, to kind of anticipate, you know, what's going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen in the future until it happens. But um, being reactionary sometimes uh, does, not, does not serve us well. 
Um, but I do think that that school districts and, and, and professors and institutions did the best that they could um, given, given what they had. Um, I do know though, in, in communicating with some of my um, uh, schools that I've supported, those schools that already were implementing STEM and STEAM, it seemed like they had a better leg up because they were already using you know, technology in unique mm-hmm. and innovative ways. So it was less of a learning curve, so to speak, in you know, having to, how do we use technology engaging now that you know, students are remote? I mean, of course, it doesn't say that there weren't other issues in terms of sure. access or like food distribution and just safety and those things, but it seemed like they, they had a shorter um, learning curve because they were already you know, in, implementing technology in, in great ways. So let me ask this question. Do you, how do you see STEM or technology? Um, I'm going to say STEM because we know that STEM is the integration of all of those, those things together. Mm-hmm. And we can see them all at play right now mm-hmm. um, in very real and tangible ways. So how do you, how do you, what do you, what are your thoughts around STEM being, taking a major role in the future of education? Mm-hmm. I say it actually continues to play an integral role role as it does now and as it should. You know, for me, STEM is not just about those technical skills, but it's about those, it's about critical thinking skills. So just as it, just as we've, you know, are encountering and and endeavoring upon and navigating through this pandemic, it's helping us to think outside of the box. And, And to me, that's what STEM and STEAM bring um, to the table, like how how can we solve problems in creative ways? You know, how can we collaborate with others to come up with these solutions? Um, how can we communicate that information to an audience, you know, uh, broader than us um, to to benefit from some of those best practices and lessons learned and what not to do? So I say STEM plays an integral role um, in education. And think about it: the foundation of education. It's for students to recognize their talents and to prepare them for adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so because STEM is woven into our daily society, our daily lives and everything that we do, you know, um, it, is be- it is best, it's, it, it serves us best and our students best if we do integrate STEM um, in our curriculum in that way. I mean, think about, think about the pandemic, all the science that was a part of identifying the coronavirus, uh, right. the testing that has to take place and the technology used to be able to do that, um, even understanding the body and how it reacts if someone does have it. Like all, all that has to do with STEM, all that has to do with STEM. And not only that, but when you think about how um, the companies are re- uh, purposing their machines to mm-hmm. build PPEs and some other things that are needed for our healthcare professionals. I mean, that's right. Like that's, I keep thinking about the, the programmer who's right now having to recode a machine that was right. purposed to do this thing, but now has to do another thing. The that's technicians right. that had to came, that come in to make this thing, thing be able to do that. Cause it's one thing to code it. And then it's actually mm-hmm. like, it has mm-hmm. to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the engineers that had to, you know, change a design, like you were saying, the engineering design process. Like I just mm-hmm. think this whole, where we currently are right now is a really masterful and beautiful display of STEM in action. 
That's right. Um, in ways that I don't think people are like consciously aware of, but show up in ways that are so big and so mm -hmm. important that I hope that at some point when we get over the, the hump of all of this and we can take a real look back, we can see that, oh, okay, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. and, and realize that why, you know, if we didn't think, cause I, I think sometimes people are on STEM overload and they're like, okay, I'm over it. Um, mm -hmm. But when you see it as it's played itself out, you're like, okay, I get it now. I mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that's isolated or separate or, you know, one block of time that I may have had, you know, uh, during my week at school or something to that. Like you said, it is STEM in action. It is STEM in action. And even for those technical technical positions, there's also STEM, you know, at home. So think right. about those, what I call home engineers who are designing face masks, mm -hmm. you know, for people to use, you know, using different cloths and textiles and the process that they have to go through to, to you know, to perfect that. Um, so, so, so yeah, it, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere and definitely an integral part of everyday life and the future of education. I, I, I'm loving this time in the sense that it's, be, well, not loving this time, but at the same time, it's like, I see it like this is STEM's time to, to step up and show its relevance. It's always mm -hmm. been relevant, but I think people have been able to relegate it to a specific time frame you know exactly yeah again um COVID thanks for spotlighting <laughs> thanks for being a spotlight <laughs> for still <laughs> I think I'm going to call this episode COVID thanks right right thanks <laughs> um, <I like that. laughs> okay so We've talked about some of the issues surrounding where we currently are. What do you see as some of the solutions to um, the digital divide, to um, to sort of the integration to of or the teachers having to teach online? Um, mm -hmm. What do you see are some real um, solutions? Right, so I know for BK International Education Consultancy, we have launched a series of webinars during this time. Since we know um, we're not able to do face-to-face -face trainings and more people are online looking for answers, right? They're looking for resources and answers. So three things that we've been able to do in the past couple of months, and we've been busy. <laughs> um, so one is we typically have a, a summer STEAM program for students, usually targeted towards third through fifth grade students and teachers. And so what we've done is we've converted that into an online fashion because what we realize is that, that given the, this quick shift and going to remote learning, there may be some gaps in students' learning. So we wanted to be able to provide um, certain valuable quality summer learning opportunities for students. And so our theme for this year is smart cities. So smart cities are where um, communities leverage technology to solve community members' problems and needs. Love it. Love yes. it. Say that again. It's smart cities. Smart cities. Yes. And so um, our program, leveraging technology. So, so just imagine how powerful it would be during this pandemic, you know, for community members to, you know, have leveraged technology to figure out either ways to best communicate, 
maybe what's going on in the community about coronavirus or to be able to find, re, you know, access resources and things of that nature. And so we are taking students through this, this problem slash project based um, uh, program and experience where they, they can actually solve these problems themselves. It's so, it's so empowering and necessary to include students' voice in creating solutions for the community in which they live. And so that program specifically gets at that. So not only are we addressing maybe um, learning gaps and, and maybe, you know, not access to, to, um, to STEM during the summertime or, or programming, that, that uh, will answer that question. That is a solution for that. So that's one piece that we've been working on. Um, I mentioned a series of webinars. So um, myself, along with some colleagues and a couple of our interns, we have been really passionate and going full, full, full force with um, acquiring, researching, and developing um, an e-course around creating accessible learning environments. So we actually have a webinar coming up on June the 17th, 2020, at 12 o'clock noon where we will go through, you know, what is it to create an accessible online learning environment? So we'll talk about different tools to use and things for instructors to be mindful of when engaging learners. And, and again, this is learners, uh, learners for, it, you know, it could be for school district or for those who are teaching adults as well. Um, and then our final thing that we've been working on is that, and this has been an issue prior to COVID, to the COVID pandemic, but I don't know if you know that 94% of public school teachers use their own personal funds to purchase things um, for their classroom. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so to me, that's a crisis within itself because one, teachers, um, they don't get paid an extraordinary amount in the first place. And so what we want to do, we always want to you know, empower those and build their capacity to best serve their students. So we have hosted several, um, a series of webinars for, uh, for teachers on grant writing. And so we actually have one on um, Saturday. And then I think based on our feedback, we'll probably go back and, um, and, and, and repost a few of those webinars. Mm -hmm. um, because that, that's a powerful piece to be able to acquire funding for your students, especially now, right, during the pandemic, you know, students need devices and things of that nature. And wouldn't it be great if teachers could send students, you know, little kits of materials that they, they can incorporate to do their lessons online. So we want to make sure that, that, that families, that teachers and that schools and students have those things ready for the fall. I think it's important. Um, the, the work that you're doing is vitally needed. Um, so I want to say thank you um, for just being being current, being right now, a right now problem, you're addressing a right now need um, with with the, the webinars and the stuff that you're doing. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, here's the big question. Um, okay. And yeah, so I'm just going to ask it in this again, our opinion, what do you, what do you believe are the, the logical next step for returning to school? 
Yeah, that's a heavy question, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a heavy question. That's a loaded question just because we all want to do ultimate, ultimately what's best for, for kids, right? So I definitely think that safety is first. Safety is a priority. Um, so I can, I can imagine in seeing schools, if they decide to open their doors, probably acquiring like medical, like, like you mentioned, PPEs, you know, personal protective um, equipment in that regard. Um, I think for me, a logical next step, I know they're hosting a lot of community meetings. I think it would be extremely powerful to provide students with the opportunity to voice their own solutions. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, we as adults, we make decisions for students instead of hearing from them. And kids surprise me all the time with their creativity and ingenuity and divergent thinking, thinking outside of the box. Um, So I think a logical next step in addition to safety is, you know, holding those community meetings and specifically making sure that student voice is included um, in those decisions, in those decisions. And then I also see that there definitely is a need for, I think, you know, the spotlight from COVID is, you know, how do we best leverage technology in our instructional practices, you know, for, for learning, whether that's teacher learning and their professional growth and professional development, as well as, you know, for students as well. So I'd see more training um, and instructional um, technology, as well as online learning. And then also um, probably additional acquisition of devices. A lot of schools now are, you know, finding grants and funding to maybe offer one-to-one um, right. for students. So those are some, some, some next steps I think would cover a variety of, of avenues. So where do you, what role do you believe the parents play in the current situation? So again, spotlight, thanks COVID. <laughs> um, it, shows, it shows the importance of those, those family and, and school community relationships. And so depending on, you know, what area, what area um, that, you know, you serve, you may not ha- have had a lot of parent engagement or maybe you have had. And so it shows that that's an area in need of strengthening as well. And so, you know, parents are our children's first teachers. So they, you know, we all definitely have to be on the same page. It definitely takes a village. So I think strengthening those family relationships, um, you know, even all, offering office hours maybe for parents once a week Mm, Um, love that yeah like training on you know going over some concepts because I know as an educator myself there were some things I had learned probably in elementary school or in high school and I had to refresh myself so you know um, and same thing for parents and then the way that we teach things nowadays sometimes the technique is a little bit different so Mm -hmm. you know just sharing a different um, perspective or technique on, 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 you know, um, learning those concepts. So right. yeah, have, having those, you know, family discussions, you know, holding office hours for parents to maybe go over, you know, content or, a- you know, answer any questions, tech support, you know, if that's needed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, again, I think it has shown us, uh, shown a spotlight on the, the need for meaningful um, and to strengthen those, those family relationships and connections. 
Wow, I think that's I I love the idea of office hours for parents. I love mm -hmm. love that. Um, yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to steal that. So <laughs> if they're not using it already, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. We should you should patent that and and get started on that. Um, I do. I have I have a couple of more questions. Um, okay. One and so I was just I don't know. It just popped into my mind. Okay, so if you had to. And this may be a bit of an unfair question, so it, it's just follow, just go with me. Okay. <laughs> if, if you if you had to choose a career pathway that um, has shown itself to be um, more important, or not even more important—that's the wrong term—but more like has shown it has shown up in this in this time. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you think that is? Yeah, that's a loaded question, Dr. Tasha, <laughs> because there's so many, there's so many, right? Like, yeah. so just thinking about just currently in the pandemic, you have the medical field, there's a high need um, technology, there's a high need, like you mentioned, engineers, there's a high need, um, um, even educators, like there's a high need. So, I mean, there, there are high needs everywhere. So if I were just to say, if I had to lean a certain way, I would definitely say some career in the STEM field for sure, mm -hmm. like hands down. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I was, so it, it made me really think about the medical field. Cause for some reason, even though we, you and I both know that it is doctors, nurses, technicians, all mm -hmm. of those, they're all STEM, right? Mm -hmm. They're all STEM, um, right. but people tend to sort of put them in this other category. That's true. Um, so you don't think of a doctor as being a, a STEM person um, or, uh, you know, your nurse or that technician, the midwife, none of the, mm -hmm. you just, you, they just sort of this other thing, but um, they have been spotlighted in ways that I think um, have really changed the way we view them, but in mm -hmm. a positive way. Um, I I also think that the way engineers are viewed, because uh, you know, every it seems like there are many people who are, have been working in that space that that have been relatively silent that have now sort of spoken out. Yeah, kind of behind or, the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's so many different type of engineer pathways. Right. Right, which is that's beautiful to me because I'm an engineer, but at the same time, it's like, well people always have an idea of what they think an engineer looks like and what it mm -hmm. is they think we do. And so now you see just the wide array and variety of engineers that there are. And I think that that's a really, um, I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right. So I have one last question for you. Oh, the time went by so quick. <laughs> it, it, it does. Right. Um, all right. So, I, I need to know, well, I guess I have two, but they're, they're tied together. So what's next for you and your organization? I think you've given us a preview of what, of what you're doing now, but what do you see three months from now or to the, you know, into the future? And then I need you to tell my audience where to find you so that if some school principal is listening or superintendent is, is, you know, STEM proponent, they know where to find you. So we, we want to make sure that we get we get them your information. Absolutely, absolutely. So 
for our next steps, we're going to continue to build off those areas that we were working on um, during this time. So we're going to continue with, you'll see us in online webinars. And some of those webinars we're going to turn into e-courses, online courses. And so um, we are proud to be able to offer continuing education units for our e-courses. So those educators who are looking to renew their, their teaching certificate, um, you can take one of our e-courses and, you know, uh, use those credentials to renew your teacher certificate. Or even for educators who maybe they're not associated with a school district at the moment, but want to keep their teaching certificate active, they can use those CEUs. They're similar to PLUs, professional learning units, um, to renew those certificates. So you'll see more online webinars from us, um, e-courses, and then our summer STEAM program, of course. And then um, uh, we plan to turn our webinar into a book uh, for teachers. So we're it's a, it'll be a workbook, a guide to walk them step by step on how to write grants so they can acquire more devices and instructional materials and tools for their learners. And so in order to be able to find, you know, when we're having a webinar or to get access to those e-courses, because we have a variety of topics now, like we have some courses on Google Apps for educators. So like, let's get you started. How can you use this for instructional purposes? Um, also, since we can't travel at this time and are not conducting field trips and we don't know what they may look like in the fall, um, we also have an e-course on virtual field trips as well. So we have a couple of things in the library. It's, it's growing. And so people can find that at www.bkconsultancy.org. So that's www.bkconsul. TANCY.org, or we're also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram. Our handle is at BK Consultancy. So B K C O N S U L T A N C Y. Or you can um, give us a call at um, plus one six seven eight eight two zero nine one nine five. So our website. You can find our courses, um, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Instagram, or give us a call. Nice. And again, I want to, I really do want to thank you. Uh, thank you, friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm always so impressed, like I said, how you show up in a variety of different ways in the community. So thank you. Well, no, I mean, you know me. This is I'm, I'm going to be doing this until until I can. Exactly. Uh, this is our life's work. This is this, absolutely our life's work. This is. And so I'm really glad that you were able to come on. I think you gave the audience um, some really good information and some really good potential solutions. Um, thanks, COVID. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will... To my audience, uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. 
You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming and Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming and Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming and Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming and Stilettos.